0: Hi, welcome to The Landscape, of Cranes Cleveland podcast. I'm Dan Paletta. Thanks for being with us today. While there are many great things about our city of Cleveland, there are some opportunities for improvement, in particular, changing the fact that this is one of the nation's worst cities when it comes to offering high-speed internet access to residents, or in some cases, just the internet at all. It's a problem that came into stark relief during the pandemic when suddenly children who had no access at home were being asked to log on for class. As the Cleveland Metropolitan School District returns to class on August 22nd, the nonprofit organization Digital C is continuing to make it its mission to help these students and all Clevelanders bridge this digital divide. So how does that happen? We'll talk to Katie Grodygood about it. She is the Strategic Projects Director with Digital C. Katie, thanks for being with us today.
1: Absolutely. Thank you for having me.
0: So if I've never heard of Digital C, tell me exactly what the organization does.
1: Sure. We are a non-profit uh, here in Cleveland, Ohio. We're Cleveland-based in the heart of, of the city. We are in the Midtown Tech Hive, and our mission is really to make Cleveland's digital future equitable for all residents of, of Cleveland. Um, and we do that through Empower CleE, which is our wireless internet service, Um, which provides reliable high-speed internet at an affordable cost. Many of our residents get subsidies, um, so it's free, but at most it only is $19.44 a month. We have one plan for everyone. And additionally, the other piece of our our magic sauce is um, we provide training and devices. So we not only provide connectivity, but we provide all the legs to enable our residents to cross the digital divide.
0: People who follow this kind of thing know that Cleveland is far behind a lot of other places when it comes to the digital divide, but I mentioned that the pandemic really put this into stark relief. I don't think I'm overstating my case, am I?
1: Absolutely not. Not only the pandemic, but historically, we're we're digitally redlined as a community. And within those communities in Cleveland in particular, we are seeing the, the extent to which the pandemic has really wreaked havoc. And it really has come to light. So it's an unfortunate uh, turn of events, but we're grateful now there is a highlight at this large gap and digital divide.
0: What are some of the hardest hit neighborhoods when it comes to lack of internet access or lack of high speed access? Uh,
1: Well, really, it follows the poverty crescent that exists within the city of Cleveland. Um, And that is the right. Currently, uh, we hit what we call six neighborhoods, which are the really the hardest hit neighborhoods, but they're also. High in poverty and um, really follow that that poverty crescent. So right now we are in Greater Clark Fulton, so on the west side there. We're in Central, which we know is one of not only the poorest communities but the least connected communities in our in our city. Glenville, Huff, Buckeye Woodhill, and Fairfax. But our technology knows no bounds, so. We definitely, we go into the other neighborhoods a bit and for our, what we call our adoption services, so the training, we do it across the entire city and we do it based on need and people come to us from all over and get in contact with us from all over the city to help them um, with whatever it is that is meaningful use to them.
0: Do we have any kind of numbers for, for Cleveland city school students? How many of them don't have internet access or only have slow internet? Do we have any feel for how, what, what the size of that population is?
1: We, I know CMSD definitely tracks those numbers and has those numbers and they have really organized a remarkable initiative to go directly to those households in need and not only provide uh, devices, but also provide that connectivity and for our Empower CLE service, which is our our WISP, all of those students, any student in a CMSD household uh, receives Empower CLE services free of charge at the, and CMSD covers that expense in whole for the, for as long as there's a student in the household. So they have really committed a, an unprecedented amount of energy and funding to help close that digital divide because we know It not only impacts them, the students, it also impacts the household and continues the cycle that we're trying to assist in breaking for for these families.
0: When it comes to lack of Internet access or high speed access, how much of it is driven by the fact that some people just simply can't afford it? And how much of it because there's no infrastructure in those particular neighborhoods? I know it's a combination of both, but does one outweigh the other?
1: You know, I think we often say if it's not affordable, it doesn't matter what's able to be connected there. So oftentimes, you know, there's there are options or there is an option, but that option is at over $50 a month for, you know, relatively lower speeds. And that being said, when your rent is subsidized heavily already and that equals about the amount you're paying in rent in any of some low-income housing units, when you're going to choose between living, eating, and keeping the lights on, or um, connecting to high-speed internet, you know that choice is pretty darn easy. So affordability kind of spans both, actually, because if it's not if it's not affordable, then it's not accessible.
0: Why does it take a nonprofit to make this happen? Is there a case that if we had offered financial incentives to, some, to for-profit internet providers, they might be willing to provide these services, or they simply say we're not interested, or we're going to charge X amount?
1: That great question. Uh, for profit has have been in this space for a long time, and the problem still exists. In fact, we, have as you you know we we've, we've topped that list as we talked about at the beginning of least connected big cities. Um, so if if there there have been incentives, there's a lifeline program that's been in existence for quite some time. Um, but as a nonprofit, I think the value that we bring and the differentiating factor is, among other things, we're mission driven. But we we have no desire to make a profit on this community. We're really just trying to bridge the digital divide. And I think that mindset in and of itself allows us to get into neighborhoods that we're not gonna see a return on investment, but at not from a dollar sense, we're gonna see a return on investment in the economic quality of life and betterment of the overall community in Cleveland sense.
0: One of the things that Empower does is you deliver broadband in some not or less than traditional ways in some respects. What are some of the ways that you get your internet access to people that uh, traditional providers don't use?
1: So we work really closely with partners across the city. Um, In particular, we work with CMHA, CMSD, as we've talked about, is our largest partner. We have over 700 households connected and over 1,200 CMSD students reside within those households currently. So that's a, a little blip on the radar when we're talking about nearly 40,000 students, but those are likely people that have previously weren't able to connect and, and attend online classes. We're also really close partners with Cleveland Public Library, and we are a really grassroots, neighborhood oriented organization. We are with the community, we listen to the community, and we provide for the community. We are Cleveland-centric exclusively at the moment, um, don't have plans to go to other cities. We're really focused on the problems at hand because we are we are Cleveland um, and we're, we take pride in that. But we also utilize those partners to outreach through their networks in addition because we've found trusted partnerships and being trusted within the community is our, is our largest asset. In particular, we we work closely with ASC3, who is uh, focused on seniors and training seniors up in the Glenville neighborhood. They just opened another campus on the west side, and and you know the homegrown Cleveland way. We really attach to that, and we believe in that model. And um, I think that really sets us apart from from others, as well as kind of makes our model really unique from the from the customer acquisition sense. Um, you're gonna you're gonna pick up the phone and, and talk to a person, and it's a person that often lives from in the community, is hired from the community, or has spent their career really giving back to this community.
0: Katie Grodygood joins us. She is the Strategic Projects Director with Digital C. She's joining us today for the Landscape at Queens Cleveland Podcast. I'm Dan Paletta. Katie, so many issues here with getting access for students as we head into this 2022, 20, year, are there some lessons you learned during this first year of the pandemic when students were sent home you that you're now able to apply as you, as you work through helping more students get internet access?
1: We are, we've, we've learned that just because they got the one, the one time training and Understanding of how to use either the parent portal or how to help their student do their homework online or how to engage in an online classroom—they're now hungry for more, which is uh, pretty pretty exciting. Additionally, we've, like I said, we've we've started closing the digital divide, and we have a lot of work ahead of us. So, um, increasing our infrastructure to be able to increase our service footprint, but also getting the word out that we've we're able to provide these training and adoption services, regardless of whether you're our customer or not, with our internet service, that that alone has really um, opened the door for many people to get services that I think previously they were afraid to ask for, and or didn't think were available to them. So those are definitely big lessons learned. We also know that You know, at the beginning of the pandemic, I think everybody, all offices, cleaned out all their tech and donated it, and they got refurbed and put into the hands of the community. Um, And what we're seeing is it served the purpose. It was a good band aid fix. But really, if we want longevity in this and we want some fidelity of resources and usage, um, we need to provide the same level to our community that we ourselves would want. So giving a, a You know, a refurbished computer that has been sitting in an office for the last decade or so is not the same um, and doesn't have the same lifespan as really digging in, finding the funding and providing a new computer. We also have learned that providing devices only without the training is really a very minor step forward. And the devices don't, just providing a device doesn't automatically ensure that they will actively and meaningfully engage in the online economy or online world. So um, we've learned through the pandemic that providing a device is imperative, especially if the household doesn't have a form of a device and a smartphone doesn't count in our world. But providing that device isn't enough, that really we need to handhold to walk people across the digital divide and what meaningful use means to you and me isn't necessarily what meaningful use means to community members. So being good listeners um, and really taking into account what they are saying, not just what, we, what data points we think we should be collecting. That's really what the work that we're doing in the community
0: say I'm a student in the Cleveland school district and I don't have a computer or I, what's, what's the procedure? Do, do the students go directly to the school, the parents and say, we don't have a home computer or how, how does that work to, to get them involved in the process?
1: That's a great question. So within CMSD, our, our partnership has really tightened up over through the pandemic so that we can mi- minimize barriers so that these families don't have to call five people to get one thing done just to get, on the phone again with other people to get the second thing done. Right. Um, we can we can all relate, right? Um, so to that end, we have Curtis Timmons who is the chief in, one of the chiefs in CMSD. And he has really, his leadership, he has really spearheaded um, much of the work that we are doing in collaboration. So we have leaders in CMSD. They, the CMSD schools can really um, report to their school their leadership within their school, what they need, and then that message gets carried across both to the CIO or to Curtis, but also to, to Digital C directly. So we both have, we have a variety of modes of communication for anyone in the community and specifically CMSD families to not only get a device, but get connectivity.
0: You mentioned the training. Is this a training that the students and parents undergo together if they're not familiar with how to use a computer or is it more oriented towards students?
1: Um, it's actually more oriented towards the caregivers, towards the family unit. We have collaborated on various programs to help students both skill up and learn you know, learn various skills. We just completed a YOU-backed summer session for students at Ginn Academy, I believe, where they they created a website for a local business that didn't have an online presence or a strong online presence. And through that they learned how to code. Um, and they have fully coded this website. So we do some training and collaborating with students directly, but in large part, we are focused more on what we call the strivers, which are un and underemployed, which typically are the caregivers. We also have found there's a lot of seniors in our community that are caregivers for CMSD students. So I think, you know, I, I'll give my personal bias, I'll, I'll out myself that um, I think often when I think of seniors, kind of like they're not digitally native and they don't want anything to do with it. And what we found is quite the opposite. They are the ones knocking at our door more than any other population for the training to be less socially isolated and to be able to help uh, the students in their household or the younger people in their household really keep on track and get engaged with whatever it is, whether that's upskilling and jobs and applying or making sure that they're doing their schoolwork or getting community or getting school related resources so that they don't have summer slides so that they can keep up on reading and learn more math. So we really run the gamut um, of both identifying, listening, and then hopefully providing the right training and resources.
0: That's interesting. That's exactly what I would have thought that seniors wouldn't really be interested in learning this new technology. One good thing about kids though is I know when I deal with a computer, I'm like, I shouldn't do this or that. Kids are not afraid, they just kind of dive in and their their lack of fear I think sometimes makes them learn faster than we do
1: I totally agree, and we're that is what we're finding is in other communities people once they get over that initial fear, man, they'll click away and it's weird you don't really break anything when you click the buttons so um getting them over getting anybody over that first initial fear factor is is really imperative, and students are part of our I'm a former educator so uh, part of my my mantra and model is that all of these students can do all of all they need to with commute, computers and technology. They just need to be given the opportunity to interact, make their mistakes, and learn. And we we as adults sometimes mm-hmm. inhibit that from happening or prohibit that from happening. So allowing them the access to have a computer to tinker has really yielded some cool results and some new. Uh, skills as well as some new interests for the next generation of youth here in Cleveland in hopes we can, you know, start to break that cycle. And um, not only that, but also the pipeline from a workforce perspective is thin right now. So if we can start to fill up that pipeline with Clevelanders and Cleveland youth um, and enable them to get jobs in the future in these fields like tech, programming, IT, anything, uh, we're doing ourselves quite the service by by investing in our youth right now.
0: Remind us about the use of hotspots. How does that work?
1: So uh, at Digital C, we are not a hotspot provider, but part of the program um, that CMSD did right when the pandemic hit was they were looking for any means to get connectivity to the household so that students could engage uh, online with the school curriculum. So hotspots, there are providers around the city of Cleveland that do provide a hotspot. And it really is, I think all would agree, it's a Band-Aid fix uh, until you can get fixed wireless or some type of internet, broadband speed internet service in your house. And often with a Zoom call, even you know a video call like this, what's required of that often takes the data. So after one day, um, even with multiple kids on, you've used up your data for that. And getting three different kids, like my household, uh, online for s- online schooling during the pandemic, even with high-speed internet in um, just in the East Side suburb here, we we still had connectivity issues. So doing that from a hotspot is just not it's not a sustainable or efficient option. But it sure helped a lot of families at least connect in some form or fashion during the pandemic.
0: I honestly never thought about that, that if you had multiple kids, Johnny has to class at nine and what if if Mary has class at nine or whatever?
1: Yep. Not enough bandwidth to go around.
0: Ultimately, how is all of this funded?
1: That's that's a great question too. So we have, for Digital C in particular, we have multiple funding streams. Public-private partnerships are imperative to our model. Additionally, CMSD has provided most of it, I believe, through e-rate funding for the reimbursement for the subsidy for the families. Um, So we have a variety of of federal, state, local funding, and then both public and private. Um, And in addition, I should mention Digital C has put in a millions of dollars of our own money to further this mission. And as a nonprofit, you know, it aligns obviously, it aligns with our mission. So we've committed that money and utilized that money. And I believe we've moved the needle by doing so.
0: Our focus has been talking about students for CMSD, but for the larger community, why is this so important? I mean, what are the other benefits that move beyond just school children?
1: Sure, so we know that the social determinants of health and as United Way of Greater Cleveland says, the social determinants of work are both highly uh, contingent upon whether or not you have high-speed internet access from home, it eliminates a multitude of barriers And we did a recent study with Rust Belt Analytica, who and public health innovators, I believe were our two research um, minds at it. And if we can increase the the base income for a household, just by $1,500 a month, I believe was the number, which is pretty, pretty substantial when you talk to talk about some, some of our households, but in other ways, you know, that's, we can do that with some skilling up, that the, the impact of that on the quality of life and the social determinants of work and health are really incredible. Um, And, you know, to, to that, we fit, we believe that giving people the opportunity to engage with the online world will minimize the barriers that, that I think many of us are entitled to or feel we're entitled to, and are naive to the fact that we we take it for granted. Um, an example is that we we have a number of people, and these are I can think of two examples that are CMSD caregivers that are homebound and immobile. So to come out to you know pay their bill or to come out of their house to get groceries or those types of things. Um, that's not something that's, that's native to them. And it takes a lot of work and a lot of time to do that. So we were able to sit down with them, show them the different resources they can do, show them how to check all of their uh, EBT and all their benefits online. So we take them through step-by-step step in hopes that we can minimize barriers to improve the quality of life all through the power of technology and connectivity.
0: This is a great reminder. I think we all take for granted when you're, the power goes out, and you are like, "What am I supposed to do with myself? Nothing works." Exactly. <laughs> so, imagine being like that, never even having the access. So, it's great work you guys are doing. Katie Grodygood, thanks for joining us today. Thank you so much for having us. Katie Grodygood is the Strategic Projects Director with Digital C. She joined us today for the Landscape, a Cranes Cleveland podcast. I am Dan Paletta. Thank you for joining us, and we'll talk again soon. <laughs>